0: All welcome back to another ESL podcast. Man, I'm your host, our as usual. And today we got Victor, Lisa, Robert, and Phil back. Yes, guys, again, you may have already heard, but can you believe? Let's just, let's just shine some beautiful light on what I had done. I looked up these four in a book Victor, Lisa, Robert, and Phil. Phil's a motivational speaker, Rob is living in Tuscany, Italy. Victor, uh, he has published a number of different books. And Lisa, Lisa, I connected with her and Robert. Robert never reconnected back with me, but I connected with Lisa on LinkedIn. I looked her up and then she was saying, oh, what video did you see me? Oh, I never knew So I had to send her the video. She said, oh my God, thank you so much. And then finally I got her on a call because I said, I would love to do a podcast with you. And we started like building up that relationship. And here I am sitting in front of her and 30 minutes of speaking to her. And this was the pre-call. Now, if you guys haven't heard that interview, December 27th, it's a golden nugget for all of you out there. Lisa, like the amount of impressionable firepower and advice she has is unbelievable, straight up. And so when I think about that and I think about me taking it up on me to look Lisa up and to speak to her in 30 minutes to say, oh my God, she has changed the way I view things right off the back. That's how phenomenal she is at what she does. And so again, guys, please go back and listen to that because you have no idea how amazing that was. And with that being said, now... That we're getting back into the second interview, we're going to be summing up what we've been talking about over the past couple of, I guess you could say weeks in terms of sales and whatnot. So again, you could talk to someone, you could jot this down, you could join me in a conversation, you could check out the template and everything on my Business English Podcast badge, but here are a few questions for you to answer. Salespeople don't need to be involved in product development. Ask yourself that question. B, competitive prices are not a strong product benefit. And C, you can't really find out customers' needs. And again, if you guys wanna do the true false, uh, you wanna answer some of the questions at both three, four, and you know, writing a couple of R's down for Robert, L's for Lisa, and listening to what Lisa says about product development and everything, these are all fantastic for you. So now, Let's listen to the goats. Let's listen to the goats. The goats meaning the greatest of all times in their respective field about what they think. Because at the end, we're going to talk about templates. We're going to talk about, you know, do salespeople believe in the products that they actually sell? We're going to talk about how do you make sure your prices are competitive? And again, how much input do you have on new products? So the first question in this video, which you guys are going to be hearing right now is how are new products developed in your company? Now, for those of you who don't have a company, it's perfectly fine, but just listen to what may potentially come because we're listening in the realm of entrepreneurship. It's no longer a fad. It's no longer the cool thing. It is now the thing, all thanks to COVID. So with that being said, let's listen to what they got to say.
1: To play. New products happen on an almost continuous cycle. So with our company, we are constantly working on two or three things which can s- sell into any given market. Sales teams are involved almost throughout the uh, the market development of, of a product, especially at the beginning. It's uh, It's their responsibility to tell us what markets are beginning to expect or no longer expect. Internally we develop products depending on customer demand. In the software industry there's no point developing something unless the market research has been done to ensure that the people are there to buy it and they actually want it. What seems like a really good idea now to you has to be tested in the marketplace. Our sales team do have an input because they're feeding back to us all the time as to what customers are asking for above and beyond what is already delivered out of the box.
0: Okay. So we have Wichter and Lisa. So again, the marketplace, the marketplace is everything. The marketplace speaks for itself. Now, again, thinking about a marketplace and me and my product, I put my pronunciation course out there on Udemy. And so again, the marketplace on Udemy is not my demographic though. No offense. It's, you know, India, we have Jordan, we have Afghanistan, we have the majority of them Arab countries, but they don't listen to my podcast. My podcast is my main, that's my marketplace. That's the marketplace. Like my TOEFL, my IELTS, my TOEIC, all those have been put into the marketplace on Spotify and Apple search engines. That's why it's responding in the way it is and me getting clients from that because the marketplace is showing that my product is actually phenomenal. If it wasn't, not many people would get in touch with me. You guys get what I'm saying? So if we look at sales now, how important is sales? Absolutely, because they're the ones that are going to be obviously selling the product. So again, listening to some of the audios we had done back then and how you know they were talking about the washing machine, this is why it's really good to have them there because you know what they say, well, my market, they don't really like that. So is there any way that we can actually toggle that and make it a little bit more user-friendly? You guys see what I'm saying? So There it is, now we're going into the second question. What are the features and benefits of your company's most successful product or service? This is gonna be a good one.
1: The most successful product and service that we have is a piece of software called Infusionsoft, which is a CRM and automated sales and marketing tool. The versatility of this product enables it to be rolled out across a lot or even all small businesses, no matter what the sector or no matter what the product and no matter what the service. We found that the most successful service we deliver is making sure we're competitive with large industry leaders. Um, By offering the same um, service at a better value, uh, we can generally compete with the largest companies within within London.
0: Now, again, generally compete with the largest companies in London, but again, for a better value. So does this mean that a lot of people are knocking themselves down and devaluing your, themselves? I want you guys to think about it. Have you ever seen a company or have you ever been part of a company where you have devalued it based on the marketplace? It's really scary because if we look at different language centers, and I've seen these language centers over the past eight years, they actually give the same amount of money. You know, I've worked in a place where it took me about, maybe about, what is it, like 15% of my salary to get there and another probably 25% of my salary to get out of there because it was so far, it was in a very difficult place to travel to. So again, the reason why I'm telling you guys this is I devalued myself by taking this project and not getting what I was worth. And the language center said, we're not going to pay you that because it's not that they don't feel that I'm not worth that, but they can always find someone that will take that same price. And this is what a lot of people do. If we look at prices out there and someone starts up like massage, like a massage parlor out here in Thailand, right? So there's a lot of terrible massage parlors. If you, the more expensive, the better, okay? So if you pay $60, $50, $40 for a massage out here in Thailand, you're going to get a spa massage phenomenal. Yes, there are other massage places that get, you could get paid like $10 for, but you have to be very careful because a lot of these are some of the uh, 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 type of massage places, right? So out on the outskirts of Bangkok, an oil massage would be $23 which is extremely expensive in a very impoverished area but that $23 does not come with the extra service implemented but it shows hey we're high quality and we do that extra so that's why we're going to charge this amount but in bangkok it's literally more than half that it's 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 like what is it? Let's say that price is like 220% in Bangkok it's only like 90%. Why? Because it's a saturated market. So are you willing to knock down your price to have that value? I don't know. I mean, are you willing to weed out all the other, again, like I always say, the time wasters? I told everyone, I announced, I said, listen, what's going to be happening is I am not going to Uh, be given free consultations anymore here on Facebook because obviously you got I'm not saying that I'm not blaming them but these are people who are not my market now if you contact me directly through Instagram okay and you talk about my podcast you are going to be awarded an hour point in order there was a beautiful and a wonderful Iranian student at the age of 22 who got in contact with me wonderful soul right and I said, how'd you fit? You know, how'd you learn about me? Oh, through Apple Podcasts. And guess what? Every one of my beautiful students who have contacted me through my Apple Podcasts or Spotify, they've ended up becoming a client. So again, regardless of what the price is, they're willing to pay it. Why? Because I don't have to devalue myself. And you have to look at the marketplace too. A lot of people will say, oh, here in India, it's much cheaper. My, my, India is not my market. I'm not, I'm, no, my, to be honest with you, I should be like $50 an hour. So that's why now beginning of January 1st, it's no longer $30 an hour. It's now $40 an hour because I know what my, I know my marketplace and I know my value. You see what I mean? So you have to consider that because Robert Harrison is talking about, Hey, we can compete with anyone by you know, having that value, you know, having it for a value. But again, is that value actually detrimental to your product and the image of your product? That's something to consider. So, next question. How does your company inform your sales team about any new products or services? Now, again, company informs sales team.
1: So what does my company do uh, when we have a new product or service to sell? How do we inform our team? I'm a great believer of coaching. Um, I'm a great believer of the term sell versus tell. If I tell you we have a new product, you don't own it. If I guide you that we have a new product and I sit with you and I explain its benefits and I give you the confidence of its value to the end user, then you're going to be more comfortable and obviously the benefit for you to sell it. We inform our sales team about new products and services that we have available with regular meetings, where it's really important that they are on board with understanding all the features that are available with the new products, and they believe in them in order that they're able to translate the benefits to the customers adequately.
0: Wow. So again, I really love Phil. Now, you already know, I'm a firm believer. I love Lisa like I do my next breath. Phil, though, coaching them, say and tell, oh my God. Like... Again, telling them that you don't own it, but then also coaching them through it and saying, hey, there's going to be this and this and this. I'm telling you, it's all based on perception and vantage point. Phil had an amazing, an amazing way of implementing it. You know what I mean? So it's like when we had a new course at the Language Center, my course that I created, a conversation course. Uh, it was more of a say, I didn't know about anything about coaching back then. And me, I was just like, you know what? I'm creating this course because this could be a significant amount of work for me in the future because about 70% of the customers are inquiring about conversation courses only. And you know what's so funny? The marketing director is like, we're an academic place. Ha, 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 Conversation, ha, 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 ha. That ended up being the number one course sale from 2016 to 2017 up till I left. You could laugh all you want. You got to listen to the market and put your feelings, you got to put your feelings aside. You understand what I'm saying? So again, we didn't have to, I didn't have to sell the teachers. I was the creator. So I said, you know what? I'm going to be the one who says who teaches this course and who doesn't. Because I know there are a lot of teachers here who suck. And I don't want that to make my course have that bad image. So in the beginning, yeah, there were only three teachers who I had chosen. But then all the other teachers started teaching it, and then the, the like the quality of the course went down because not everyone, you know, in you know, in retrospect, is a salesperson. Not everyone has the gift of the gab, meaning can speak and be able to develop conversation one, two, three, four, rampantly like me. And no one is and there's no one else on the planet like me either. So am I able to coach them through that? You can't coach a bunch of old heads. Yeah, you have to be coachable. And where's your coachability level anyways? A lot of them, they're like, oh, I know exactly how to teach. No, you don't. You acting like you do, but you don't. Your students complain about you all the damn time. See what I mean? To identify a new customer's need is the next question. So this is gonna be really good. Surveys, let's see what they got to
1: say. Identifying a new customer's needs means that you have to sit down with them and understand what is their pain. By understanding what the barriers that they have are to enabling their business to grow, whether it's the people, whether it's the systems or the processes or the software they're using, and understanding where the barriers for that company is or for where that business owner is, is the first step to establishing what their needs are. Man, Lisa, uh, again,
0: finding out their pain. I'm so glad that she said that. On Spotify, what are people looking for? They're looking for help in TOEFL IBT. What is their pain? Speaking. What is the very first podcast that I created on, you know, at the beginning of this year or even last year on TOEFL IBT? Speaking. Since then, how many podcast, I mean, how many plays has that particular podcast gotten? 5,500. Why? Because, again, I found a need and I again, when after that specific need, like, what do they need help with? This is the critical component, like pain. This is what Jack Ma said, find a need and fill it, but you need to find a pain point. There are thousands, no, there are millions of students around the world that need help with this particular test preparation course. And guess what? Because I was able to figure out what their pain was and help them in literally 20 minutes of free online. I was able to get a ridiculous amount of clients from that. See what I mean? Figure out what the pain is. And I do believe that this is probably one or the second to last question. What are your first steps after meeting with a new customer? After meeting a new customer, we would generally allow a day to sort of reflect on what's happened in the meeting, make notes and make sure that you know what has been discussed so that you can bring those points up in an email um, and qualify what's been discussed and what the next steps are of your relationship.
1: The first steps after meeting a new customer are crucial. To have that follow-up email ready, often having templated content that you can adapt so that it's personal for that customer is essential. So making sure that you follow up in a timely fashion with relevant information and that you set expectations for what the next steps are. By setting the expectations, the customer feels confident that you know what you're doing and the product or service they're going to buy from you is going to be equally credible.
0: I love that. I mean, I absolutely love that. Having templated and again, customizable and it suits the customer's needs. Again, that was the question. Do you use email templates? So me, it's not so much of an email that I have to actually set up and whatnot. But when I look at, you know, some of the potential customers and like, let's say the Iranian girl, and she's like, okay, how do I pay? Okay, this and that. And I'm like, okay, so uh, do this. And she's like, well, I live in Iran. We don't have Visa. We don't have MasterCard. So I'm like, okay, well, you can do this. You can do that. I'm I'm just trying to figure out different things. But again, it's been already two days. So. Again, I could follow up and say, hey, so, okay, um, you know, just giving you a nice little feedback. Again, I know you have your test in about a month and whatnot. Let me know what the whole process is. Let me know if you were able to find out a way for payment and whatnot. But again, she's not the breadwinner, her father is. So again, we have to consider that too. She's not the one that has the money. It's a father that has the money. So there are lots of things in play here, but there are also ways that I could follow up okay, two days, okay, three days, if I don't hear anything in three days, there's obviously nothing that's going to happen after that. It's kind of like, uh, one, one way that, you know, one thing that actually fell through really bad was a guy from Palestine, and I think I had brought this up before, and, but he was very needy, and he had a wife that was asking really crazy, you know, crazy questions and whatnot, but, uh, you know, with her being American too, Uh, and so, you know, he was like, okay, I need this. I need that, uh, this. And he's like, I want to purchase 10 of these and I want this and that he was very, very needy. So I think he would have made up 80% of my unhappiness. So I'm really happy that he did not go through and pay that invoice. And the invoice was actually very, very little for what he actually wanted. So again, me, I took that step back and I said, okay, all right. All right, Asenia. Well, that didn't really work. So what are we going to do better next time? What could you have done? You could have at least followed up and say, hey, you know, just trying to touch base here. I know that you have your test coming up and this, that, but again, it's a little bit, it's a, and, and if they don't respond, that's it. That's it. I'm not going to continue bothering them, but I will send that follow-up email. And I realized like a few months later, he ended up canceling uh, canceling the invoice. And I'm like, okay, well, that was like three months ago. So obviously, you didn't need my help. Best of luck to you. I'm very, very happy. So again, this person, looking at the demographic, contacted me through Facebook. Sometimes you have a significant amount of time wasters on Facebook, period. So not saying that Facebook is terrible, but I know where my demographic is and I know where I'm going to do extra versus where I'm not going to do anything at all. So guys, with that being said, man, I hope you enjoyed this ESL podcast. And if you guys have any other questions, please let me know. I'll be waiting for more listens, more plays. Make sure you share away if you guys want anything else. We got a lot of big things coming up this, new year, uh, this year. So again, Guys, stay tuned for all the sneak peeks with what we got going on and what's going to be happening on this specific podcast. I'm your host, as always, over and out.